Welcome inside a brand new episode of the All Hoops Podcast. I'm Stephen Inman, and I'm joined with my co-host and producer to the stars, Chris Brito. Chris and I will discuss the NBA Finals, we'll give our predictions for the final basketball series of 2020, and try to see what is next for the Clippers after the shocking exit of Doc Rivers. We'll get into all that, but first, Chris, my friend, it's great to see your face, great to hear your voice. How are you? Hey, Stevie, baby. Uh, You know, we finally made it now to the Finals. After this season, it was very much in doubt a few months ago, and now we have the NBA Finals between the Lakers, like we, like most people planned, and then the Heat, with, which was a lot more unexpected than we like to give credit to. Um, incredible. Miami's in the Finals. Who would have thought? Both teams didn't even make the playoffs last year, and now here they are in the Finals. This was LeBron's former team. Um, my instinct right now is telling me the Lakers are going to win this in six games. Um, but Miami is a team that has continued to prove everyone wrong, and here they are. And they're, it's very much within the realm of possibility that they could take this one too. Yeah, Chris, you hit it home. Both these teams were not in the playoffs last year. They both finished 10th in their conferences. Yeah. And so it just shows that anything is possible, especially when you have superstars. That's all that matters. Chris, I want to talk about the keys to this series Obviously, the Miami three-point shooting is super important. We talked about that in the last two series. Uh, They shot the lights out against the Bucs. They did not shoot well against, you know, the Celtics. They're still here. So if they can come out and shoot well like they get against Milwaukee, I don't see how they lose because you don't really see a lot of defenders on this Laker team. And if these Miami guys are all going to shoot as well as they did against Milwaukee, I think they're a huge problem. From the Lakers' point of view, it's all about solving this zone early. You saw Boston have enormous problems with this zone, and they didn't really try to attack the rim. They settled for jump shots. I don't really see this being as big of an issue for the Lakers because you have Anthony Davis, you have LeBron James. They're both going to go through the zone and attack the basket, and I think that's something that Tatum and Brown did not do as much uh, in that last series. And then lastly, my third point, Bam staying out of foul trouble. Look, we talked about it before the show, Chris. Anthony Davis is going to have his points, but can Bam limit him to, you know, 50% or less shooting from the floor and staying out of foul trouble? You know, if Bam has three fouls before the end of the first half, something is wrong. You know, that's going to be a big problem for Miami. Yeah. And, okay, for me, I think the biggest point, and I think it's the only point really when it comes to, um, Miami trying to win the series, you need to contain Anthony Davis. And I, this team will go as far as he takes them, as amazing as LeBron is. Anthony Davis has played exceptional these playoffs. Um, and not to overlook the triple doubles that LeBron has had, these you know incredible 20-point, 30-point performances that he's had. But Anthony, this team will go as far as Anthony Davis takes them. Um I, I think that after Bam, this, the Heat don't really have much to to really throw at Anthony Davis. And as we've seen, Anthony Davis can shoot. Anthony Davis could score anywhere on the floor. Um, and at the end of the day, I think we can ex- we, we know what to expect out of LeBron. Um, it'll be interesting to see what we see from Anthony Davis for the Lakers, right? Like, this is 
you know, he's coming from a, he, he, you know, you come from where you were with the Pelicans a few years ago where you couldn't even get past what the second round. And now you're here on, on this stage, you know, everything's much bigger. Um, and what an incredible feat for LeBron. I think what it's his 10th finals appearance more than dozens of other teams in the NBA, including our Knicks in the, and the Lakers are in a, in a, in a special situation where, you don't really need much from a third guy to really win this series, as, as we've shown, as they, as we've seen the entirety of these playoffs. Like it, it's really a random guy who steps up every other series. You know, we've seen Kuzma here and there, Rajon Rondo when he's come back healthy. Um, is is can, there a can, guy can, Chris can, who can be that guy for the Lakers this series that you see kind of jumps out at you? Rondo probably. I mean, Rondo will probably be tasked to guard someone like Tyler Hero, Butler at times, and and even Duncan. So I think Rondo might be the the guy for them. And you know, you you add in his finals experience, I think Rondo will be key. So yeah, um, again, I think the Lakers just have the two best players on the court, and I think that's ultimately what matters in the there, end. There is no denying that the Lakers have the two best players on the court. Everyone will agree with that part. The question here is, if there's eight the eight best players in the series, the Heat probably have six of them. Is that enough, or is it all about having those front two guys? It's is a full, more balanced team like Miami better off, or is it the star power? And history has shown us it's the star power. So I'm really curious to see how that plays out. You mentioned a key third guy. They're gonna need another guy to step up. Like I know Davis, you know, can do you know, great things. And the Heat don't really have a lot of answer for him behind Bam. But we need a – the Lakers are going to need a third guy. And to me, that guy has got to be Danny Green because Danny Green's got to space the floor. And he's just such a streaky shooter. You're already shaking your head no with me because, Chris, he looked old this year. But if you look at his career and how it's gone, he's looked this way before and then just come alive out of nowhere. And I – you know, the, the Spurs series against Miami – you know, yes, it was a long time ago now, but he was I as cold as ice going into the, those series. And then all of a sudden he just came alive. You know, last year he shot, you know, extremely well in the regular season for Toronto. And he's been ice cold for a calendar year now. Is that, you know, can you get, you know, decent shooting out of him? Because I think he's the one guy that could be left open on these things. And his history shows that he just comes alive if he just hits two or three. And I think he's going to be the key guy. And I know, I know it sounds I, ridiculous. Stevie, like, I think you're someone who's generally right on in basketball things. I just don't agree with the Danny Green thing. Um, to me, he's so unreliable. I'm not saying he's going to do it. I'm saying they're going to need him to do it. Right. And I think the person who's fit in that role has been Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Oh, no. I, I, I think, mean, I think it, he's I a mean, better chance Danny Green has a – 6-3 game than KCP. Well, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're going to disagree on that one. I just I just have no faith in Green. Um, I think, you know, sure, he played well in the finals of the Spurs like a millennium ago. Um, he didn't really exactly perform for the Raptors either. Hey, man, I'm not rooting against the guy. He's a New York guy. So, um, I don't know. We'll see what happens with him. And... Do you think – do you foresee um, the Lakers' backcourt having issues with Tragic, Hero, and 
and Butler at all? Or do you think that's something that, you know, we've seen the Lakers like face the likes of Harden and, and Russell Westbrook. We've seen them play like Jamal Murray and have some trouble. Do you think these guys will have the same effect with the Lakers? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Because I think the way the heat play, the way they space the floor, it's going to stop the Lakers from having their two big guys. And when they don't have their two big guys, I think it opens the paint for Drogic. And with Drogic in the paint, he could either go up for his layups, which he's done plenty of times. We've seen so many and ones in these playoffs from Goran Drogic. Or he can kick it out to Hero. He can kick it out to Butler. He can kick it out to Duncan Robinson. And it opens up so many things. So I really believe that the Heat are you know, primed to take advantage of those guard spots because LeBron can't guard all three of those guys. He can guard one of them. You can take one guy out of the series or out of a game or a quarter by t- putting LeBron on him. But like, you really trust Rajon Rondo to defend at this point in his career? Do you trust, I know your guy, Catavius Caldwell Pope, I don't trust him to follow Hero around the court. And also, to be honest, I don't know if I want LeBron James exerting the, that energy following Tyler Hero around the court. So I think that's going to be a matchup that is going to be a nightmare for the Lakers where if he's hot and he has one of those 30-plus point games like he did in Game 4, I I don't know what they do because I don't want LeBron exerting that much energy, dodging screens and picks and running all across the court the entire game. And look, we talk about this Heat team. They're a five seed, right? There's People are sleeping on them because the team that was the five seed – started Myers Leonard and uh, Kendrick Nunn in a majority of their games. Those guys don't play anymore. Yeah. Kendrick Nunn, Myers Leonard play, has played nine minutes in the playoffs. He, was their starting, he started for them. This is a totally, totally different team that we saw from the regular season. And I think people are just going, oh, like the Lakers won the more games. They're the one seed, the Heat are the five seed. I think really Lake, for me, I'm picking the Lakers in seven. Mm-hmm. You you t- you said you wanted to pick them in six, but mm. I think the idea that you know the Heat are three to one odds, you know, to win this thing, where you could put down a hundred bucks and make three hundred bucks, to me is insane because I think they're much more evenly matched than people are giving them credit for. And okay, I'm with you. I think the Heat have been a great story, but I think the Lakers are going to win it. I think um, LeBron's going to get another chip. Um, but it, it does lead me to another question about LeBron, right? Like I discussed with other people, I don't, he obviously is motivated to get that other championship and I know he'll most likely get it. At the end of the day, he doesn't need this one. I think he can, if he retired today, the day before the finals and he finished with four championships it doesn't impact his legacy. To me, he's the best player of all time. And I think not only do we see that with stats, we also see that with the caliber of person and how he's elevated the league in his you know, social justice things off the court and, and just being a good uh, representative of the league. It doesn't impact the legacy, but I know for others, until he gets that number six, people will always compare him to Michael Jordan and how he will live in the shadow of Michael Jordan. I think this is a huge championship for LeBron. And I say that because no player has led a team, three different teams to championships. You know, Robert Ory won three rings with three different teams, but he didn't lead those clubs. This would be an accomplishment that 
we talk about the six strings, but like Jordan never did this. Jordan, you know, Jordan stayed on one team, but he's taken teams with a lot of players that you'd be like, that player played in the playoffs and made them champions. And I think that's something that goes overlooked. Those Cleveland teams before LeBron won that he was taking to the finals every year. Insane. Insane right. that he was Brazo, whatever. Booby Gibson, like it's an it's right. in, it's insane how Mo Williams was a starting point guard. Mo Williams is probably the second best player on those teams, you know, and they were going to the finals. And so everyone kind of dismisses that because Eddie goes to Miami and he's got two superstars with him, and a great coach and great shooters. But if he takes this team with Anthony Davis, yes, and a bunch of guys who. You know, I'm not sure. They could probably threw them in with the Anthony Davis deal in New Orleans. And New Orleans might have said, eh, we're good. We don't really need Contavious Caldwell, Pope, or Kyle Kuzma. You know, Alex Caruso. Those are their best players that we need to step up here. And so I really believe that this would be a huge accomplishment for LeBron James. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, no matter how you look at it, it's another thing that he can pat on his resume. But again, to me, he's the best player of all time. Let's head over to real quick. One last thing, really quick. So, when LeBron's career is over, if he winds up playing Cleveland, Miami, and the Lakers, and he wins a championship in all those places, no one's going to be able to complain about anything. There will be no fan base that could be like, "Well, he didn't come through for us." He'll have won everywhere he went, and that's it. Except except New York. He didn't come here. Anyway, he's (laughs) forty-five. Anyway, uh, let's head over to final thoughts. Out of nowhere, Doc Rivers uh, was let go or parted ways, was outed by the Clippers um, earlier this week. Um, It was really strange because it seemed like Doc had a good handle. It seemed like he was a respected leader in that locker room. But, you know, some reports suggest that that wasn't the case. You know, Steve Ballmer maybe wanted a different voice. Um, What's your take on this? Because it seems like the Clippers are unraveling every week with something new. It just seems like the chemistry really wasn't there. I think Chris is a panic move. I mean, unless Doc Rivers hinted that he wanted out, I don't really see why the Clippers should have done this because you look around the coaching carousel, you know, D'Antoni, Ty Lue, you know, Jason Kidd. Like, I don't really see a, a figure there with as much experience as Doc. And I don't really see a figure in there that says, oh, if you plug him in there, they should not have these issues again. And I think Doc Rivers is the best coach of all the options they had. And unless they believe he lost the locker room, then I would have kept him there. Yeah. Um, I think now the the attention will obviously turn to who could replace him because Doc Rivers is, is such a figure in, 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 in basketball that like anybody coming in after him is, has, a big sh- has big shoes to fill. Um, for me, the person that makes the most sense is probably Tyrone Lue. I know I've tossed his name around for almost every coaching vacancy in the league, including the Sixers. But, you know, he was an assistant coach with the Clippers. Um, he may know where Doc fell short. So I think maybe his his um, his influence there could be it. Maybe he could be the next coach. I think it makes the most sense. He knows how players work, what doesn't tick, what doesn't work. Um Nobody else really comes to mind at the moment, but he's the most logical choice for me. To me, it's wouldn't if you're going to replace Doc Rivers, wouldn't you want an outside hire, a person who is 
not in that locker room last year to take over. I mean, I don't really see why Ty Lue, who was there with them, is really a much different voice than Doc Rivers because they, they you know, they're both coaches. They probably have the same coaching philosophy. Is Ty Lue really going to change up the offensive and defensive game plan significantly? You know, uh, and again, Ty Lue might be an excellent coach. He might be a terrible coach. We don't really know because all we saw him yeah. was with, with LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love. Mm-hmm. And now you're talking about a team that has already blown up. And if they blow up again, they're going to lose Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And you're going to have a mess on your hands. And here's I don't know if I thing. want to give that mess, that chance, that last chance to save this franchise to a guy who has not proven that he can be a, a, a coach, a top coach. One more thing. I'm not being paid by Tyrone Lue in any, in any way, but I, here's my one thing I'd advocate for him. Um, this Clippers team isn't it, – it has talent. It's not a team that doesn't have talent. It may be less about the X's and O's and just pushing people in the right buttons and putting them in the right places more so than having a new voice, a completely new voice. So that's why I think Lou makes the most sense. It's really making the adjustments with the people that you have and – less about the X's and O's because quite frankly, if this team would have stayed together with Doc Rivers, they're probably winning a championship because the chemistry thing was the biggest problem for the team. Why they, would the chemistry be better? Because they get more reps on the on, on the court together. Like it's one thing the entire season they've they've pretty much taken that whole building up together process for granted. And I think that by keeping just people together one more year, I think it does make a difference. Yeah, no, I think that's very well said. Uh, Chris, or anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up the show? Nobody, but I know you want to talk about the CBA. Yeah, uh, so nobody, nobody's really talking about this significantly, Chris, but no, you the, are. C- the CBA needs to be like ripped up and started over after this season. There's going to be talks about what you do if there's no fans in the arena. There's going to be talks about what happens if you need to push the season back. Do they need to cut the season short? What if the season needs to go in a bubble next year again to start the season? So there's so many issues that need to be worked out. Most contracts are through October 30th, you know? So all of a sudden, you're not even going to have rookie draft picks in the building by then. Are they going to redo those contracts? You know, if you're the number one pick, normally you get four years, say $44 million. Are they going to push that back to 30 million or something like that? It's not like those rookies can argue and fight that because they're not even going to be, you know, part of those talks. So yeah. I'm really fascinated to see how that goes because they can't really start free agency until the CBA is done and they know what the cap's going to look like. Yeah. So the sooner they get that started, the better. So I would think the day after the season ends, those talks are going to go quick because teams need to know how much money they have to spend. If the cap goes to 115 or 110, maybe the Thunder go, we'll keep Chris Paul. If the cap goes to 90, they might have already have a deal ready to ship him somewhere else. So I'm really curious to see how quickly those talks go. And uh, that's it for me. That's going to do it here on the All Hoops Podcast. Chris, awesome show as always. The NBA Finals, we made it. It did not look like this was going to be possible, you know, in May and June when we were talking about coronavirus and, you know, the 12 candidates for the Knicks head coaching position. So very excited to talk about these NBA finals in the next few weeks and what's going to happen next with that CBA and the Clippers and Doc Rivers. So plenty to get to going forward. And the NBA draft.
and the NBA draft, November 18th. Can't wait for that. Eighth pick. All right, everyone. Have a have a great week. Bye.